this morning, um, as we meet, this might be a tough uh, message for you. Uh, I didn't think of you when I was uh, preaching or studying for this. Um, it's not that I didn't think about you, but I wouldn't have. It's just going to be a tough one, okay? Uh, I just want to warn you about that. Uh, we're going to talk about the process of salvation and really what that means. And I, I know that a lot of times when you talk about coming to know Christ, uh, we, we like to talk about it because we like the idea of being freed from all the stuff that we uh, struggled with. See, uh, what happens is we set up our own life the way we want to or the way we've been trained to, and we mess it all up. We mess it all up with our sins and how we have uh, learned some of those from our parents. We've collected some of those from our peers and those we um, want to be like. And we also live in a sinful world and we have a sinful heart. And so all those things grow together to mess up our lives. And then we desire uh, and we're looking around, we're grabbing and Christ enters in. And he says, I want to change you and bring you out of that. And so he, he saves us freely. He, he gives us life where we had death before. And, and that's a great picture. What we're going to talk about today is what our life is to be like now that we know Christ. And sometimes that is hard to get to and uh, hard for us to um, deal with. Especially today because we're going to be talking about how we treat one another and not just one another that we know and like, which is hard enough, right? Uh, I'm talking about everybody, what it means for a Christian to live in this world and how they treat the rest of uh, humankind. The reason this is difficult is some of you in your hearts today are going to say in your mind, you say, this is the way I was raised. This is what I was taught to be. And what makes that so uh, difficult today is some of, and I would even say a lot of what you've been raised was wrong. It was wrong. And the way we are prone to treat people is wrong. The default position, um, this morning I was struggling with the idea that many times in my day, I, I come up to a situation or a conversation or how to act, and I, I, I come to that place and I, I ask the question, how would Kevin deal with this? And it seems pretty simple. I can, you know, I can figure this out. It just takes a few snaps of the finger and boom, I know where I'm going to go and what I'm going to do. The problem is it's wrong. It's wrong. And so this morning, we're going to work really hard to set aside what Kevin thinks and the way Kevin deals with things and the way you deal with things and the way you talk and the way uh, your personality works at it. We'll set that aside and ask the question, what does the new Kevin that has been found in Christ, what does that look like and what is Christ, what has he saved me to be? Um, and so that might be a little painful for all of us. I realized that uh, this might uh, go to some attitudes that uh, we struggle with uh, dealing with. This morning, um, this might challenge your attitude when it comes to politics. 
Uh, this might challenge your attitude when it comes to those who are of different race. Uh, this might challenge your bitterness toward people in our community, uh, people that you work with. This might challenge your attitude toward law enforcement, to teachers, to parents. Uh, insert the blank if you have another uh, one that bothers you in there. The picture here of the gospel is really a heart and a brain transplant. Um, Corinne, I hate to say this, but uh, Corinne had a surgery uh, back when. Do you remember what I told you after the surgery? Uh, she had a, a, a cadaver. Uh, they took some of that and put it in her. I said, do you feel like yourself? Uh, and uh, I, I thought of that this morning as I was uh, studying and going, you know, this is, this is so different. This is so different that God takes us in our central part of who we are. And he says, I'm removing that. I'm removing that. And I'm going to change you. I'm going to give you a new heart. So this morning, uh, we're going to be talking about that um, and just how that works out in our life today. Please stand in honor of God's word. I'd like to read to you from Titus chapter 3. And I'm going to read to you uh, Titus chapter 3, verse 1 through verse 11. Um, And we're today we're going to do, I think there's going to be three messages in here, one through seven. So anyways... uh, Verse 1 says this, Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient and to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, Passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and the loving kindness of our God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly, through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want uh, you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for, uh, for people, but avoid foolish controversies genealogies, dissension, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. God, uh, we desire to sit before your word this morning. God, I ask that you would break down the barriers in our heart, uh, that you would make our hearts hearts moldable to you, that we would not cling to the way we've been raised, uh, the way we've been taught, um, to our own personality and the way we uh, deal with di- different things, but we would be changed by you as we seek to be what you have saved us to be. 
God, thank you for this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So this morning, uh, as we, we go through this, there's a list of things um, that he is going to share with us that we are not to forget. In verse 1, it says, remind them, remind them. Why does it say remind them? Because we're prone to forget. Why do you make lists? I, I know some of you are, how, how many of you are list makers? List makers. Uh, you say, oh, I got to put this on my list. And so you got a list of things to do today. Uh, some of you are like me. You put easy things on there if you're going to, so you can cross them out. Get up. You're like, sweet. I've really accomplished some things on my list today, you know. Eat breakfast, you know, like you'd forget or something like that. But uh, we make lists because we're prone to forget. And the the picture here from the outset of this list that he's going to give them is that they are prone to forget these things. I like to say it like this. There's a forgetfulness of God. Um, I don't know if you've experienced this or you can identify this in your own life. Maybe, maybe you feel real close with God. You know who you are in Him. And, and you're excited about all that He's done for you and just who you are in Him. You're excited. You know who you're supposed to be and what He's made you. And you're thrilled at your, your uh, citizenship in heaven. And you're just excited to be who you are. And then... Uh, the days pass and you kind of drift away and you you kind of forget all the riches that you have in Christ and uh, you begin to let selfishness and pride and the sins of the old life creep in and you just forget who you are. And I think that it's in that light that Paul tells Titus under the inspiration of God, remind them, remind them. This morning, uh, chances are these things will not be new to you, uh, but yet a challenge to you as you see them in light of your day today and your week and just who you are day in and day out living in the great um, suburban area of Tehachapi. Okay, so so we are called to work these things out. He says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities. Uh, we have uh, rulers and authorities in this world. And uh, sometimes that's hard to do. That word submission, we, we know that word from other contexts, that it's the idea that we are to place ourselves willingly under authority, not to buck against it and do our own thing. To be submissive. Um, You know what's difficult about that is that this does not say if you like them, if you like them. Um, I I could easily ask you today, um, you know, where are you at? Don't answer, please. Uh, uh, What do you think about your president? What do you think about your president? Uh, What do you think about our governor? Uh, What do you think about what's happening in politics in the city of Tehachapi? Most of you don't even know what's happening in the politics of this great city of Tehachapi. Um, uh, what do you think of, of law enforcement? What do you think about rules that are over you? How, how do you feel about that? What is your attitude towards that? 
This morning, as we look to God's word, he says that we are to be reminded that we are to be submissive to the rulers and authorities. We're not to be in rebellion. We are not to, in our own mind, uh, shake an angry fist saying, I'm going to do my own thing because I don't care what anybody else says that. You know, see, there's a, a thing in the gospel that that is really hard for us to remember is that that sometimes we look at our, and we're going to use this word today, that before we knew Christ, we were enslaved to sin. And so he set us free. And sometimes in our freedom, we say, well, that means I can do whatever I want. I, I don't have to care about authorities or rulers. I don't have to care about teachers. I don't have to care about police officers. I don't have to care about anything because I am free. And he says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities as opposed to rebellious. Let me ask you, does this describe you? Does this describe describe your attitude towards authorities and rulers in your life? Do you embrace that? The second thing he tells us to be reminded of is to be obedient. To be obedient. The, the idea of being obedient... Um, is really hard to get to because when we think of obedient, we we think of someone telling us what to do, that we would have a master, that we would have a master, and that he could tell us anything that he wants us to do and that we would do it whether we want to do it or not. And that word, we just, oh, we just, we hate it. Once again, uh, if we've been enslaved, he set us free from that. And you're like, freedom, I don't have to do anything. And yet, and yet I want to tell you that there are things that God will ask us to do. He will tell us to do. He will command us to do. That we go, oh, let me think about that for a while. Let, let, me, let me decide on whether I'm going to do it or not do it. That's not, that's not our place. That we are to obey. In fact, our lives are meant to be marked by an obedience. Not this freedom, I'm the ruler of my own world, I'm the master, I I do what I want when I want to do it. To be obedient. I told you this was going to be a little rough. Um, The next thing he tells us, that, and these are things, these are things, that as you've been changed by the gospel, Christ, Christ wants us to be about. This is what he has given us freedom to do. This is the life that he has called us to be about. He says to be ready for every good work. Ready to serve others as the Lord. Uh, I love the picture here because ready to serve. It's like you're excitedly, anxiously anticipating the opportunity to serve. Uh, most of us aren't like that. Do you know that? Uh, and you say, oh, well, what do you mean? What do you mean? Are you anxious to serve in your home? Are you excited to serve in your home? Oh, man, I'm so excited. I hope I get to do laundry today. Yeah. Uh I hope I get to uh, work hard uh, so my family can waste it on whatever they want to waste it on. So excited about that. 
you know, I'm, I'm hoping my cell phone rings and I hope it's someone from church asking me to do something. I hope they are. You know, I hope it's somebody who, who calls me that has real needs and that they need me right now. Oh, I hope so. That's the picture. Anxious to serve. Most of us are like, oh, oh, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that someone's going to call me and I'm going to get burned out. Yeah, I'm afraid of burnout. Um, let me be honest with you. Most of us aren't in danger of any burnout of anything, okay? We might waste away before we burn out, okay? Uh, you know, we're sitting there in front of the TV and we're going, oh, I just don't want to burn out. Please. Okay? Burnout? We're constantly protecting ourselves going, don't touch my life, you know. Don't ask me to do anything. I'm fine unless you ask me to do anything. Uh, I like you as long as you're not, you don't have any needs. Just get away from me, okay? Uh, don't, don't touch my life. The, the complete opposite is true of us has been changed by the gospel. We're anxious to serve. We're ready. We're, we're, we're standing there going, pick me. Pick me. There's a picture there that as we anticipate our day that we would prayerfully say, God, use me today. Give me opportunity to serve you. And enjoy and to, to realize that this is what he has saved us for. Let me ask you, is that you? Are you ready for every good work? Are you ready to serve him? He goes on and he says this. Uh, um, to be obedient, to be ready, to uh, ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to speak evil of no one. Um, let, let me ask you: uh, How do you speak when you speak about people? How do you uh, characterize them when you're sitting at the dinner table, when you're talking with your spouse, and you're talking about individuals outside? How do you speak of them? How do you talk about people when you're with your friends and in the fellowship hall? I actually I put um, during our, our fellowship time I put a tape recorder over there and I'm going to listen uh, to all the conversation that went on there. You'll be getting calls this week. You know, uh, how, how do those conversations go? How do we speak of one another? And, and the picture here is to speak evil of no one. I know that as as I think about that, I go, um, well, maybe some people deserve to be spoken evil of. And maybe it's an issue of truth and I need to talk about them so everyone else will know how untruthful they are. The picture here, I, I, wa I want you to get this. It's not that we don't confront truth, but that we are not out there. This This isn't the characteristic of our life. This isn't who we are. That we guard our tongue. Uh, maybe some of you are wondering, well, how do you even do that? I mean, when, when my mouth opens, it comes out. Duct tape, have you tried it? <laughs> uh, it's the idea of the hand over the mouth thing, you know, right? Really, I, I, I want to be honest. We're going to go to the next one as well, and it's going to be the same thing. It's the idea of being careful with your words, it's not that uh, I'm free because I can, I'm free in Christ. I can say whatever I want. This is unfiltered, ungoverned. Just let it fly. 
That'll be sin. That'll be sin. That's not what God has saved us for. I, I think sometimes maybe this comes back to our family upbringing. Most of us, I'll even say most of us, grew up in a family where we let it fly. We let it fly and we were good at ripping people to shreds. We were good at it. We made it a science. We got our master's degree in it. You know, we had we had certain styles and ways we went about it. And, and we we're like, you know, that's what I do. Hey, it's wrong. <laughs> it's wrong what you do. God has not saved you for that. This is not what it means to have your heart changed in the gospel to, to now live it out. It's not, it's not the way God has intended it. That we would speak evil of no one. We'd be careful with our words. You know what? Sometimes that means just holding back, right? Just holding back. He goes on and he says to avoid quarreling. To avoid quarreling. It's some of us just say, oh, we're just discussing. No, it's not. No, it's not. You're purposely bringing up topics that you know will bring out, out an argument. And you like it. You like it. Uh, if someone says yes, you're going, with any sense of conscience, can I say no here? Just so we can get something going? I like being the, the opposition. I like to be the contrarian. You say yes, I'll say no. No, I meant to say no. Okay, I'll say yes. You know, I, I just want to argue. You, you know what? The picture here is this. That as believers in Jesus Christ have been changed by the gospel, that we hold our hand over our mouth and say, I will not speak evil of anyone. And we also steer clear of quarreling and argumentation. We, we don't look for opportunity to, to argue and waste words. We, look, we prepare ourselves. You know what? There's a real sense of that, right? As we would pray to look for opportunity, we'd also pray going, oh no, God help me. I'm going to go see this person and I, 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 you know, there's some things that, that I don't like about them and I want to argue with. God, prepare my heart to be who you've saved me to be instead of who I've been trained to be or I used to be, okay? So quarreling, uh, to avoid quarreling. The next thing he says is this, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, to be gentle. Man, this is hard, isn't it? As we've been going on our father's Bible study, we've noticed that um, the idea of a man being harsh uh, is spoken of in Scripture as it pertains to his relationship with his wife as well as his kids. And you get this picture that... um, why is it so tough for us to be gentle? And why is it the fault thing to be harsh? Why? Um, I, I grew up, uh, my dad's in construction, and I grew up watching uh, job sites all the time. And it's interesting, uh, when they begin to build a house, you put your foundation in, and then you're framing the house. That is not uh, a time to be gentle, okay? 
Uh, they're cutting two by fours. They're throwing two by fours. They're beating two by fours. They're not talking to them nicely and saying, come over here, little two by four. We're just going to place you in here. And once you get your self-esteem in the right place, you just go right where you know. We'll wait on you, okay? We'll be patient and gentle with you. But I want you to get this picture here. What is this talking about? Is this talking about being gentle when you're framing a house? When you're digging a ditch, when you're trying to get a bolt off your car that's been on there for a long time. The picture here is not a gentleness of personality. It's talking about treating one another gently. It's about caring for one another's feelings and thoughts. Think about that right now. And you say, well, yeah, that's a bunch of that, you know rainbows and unicorns. We don't do that in our household. We tell people like it is when it, you know, we really cut it. You know, let me be honest with you. Is that how the Lord has dealt with you? Has he grabbed you by the shirt and shook you really hard? And he says, Oh, that didn't work. Let me shake you harder until you No, he's patiently over you. For some of you, it's been years and years of calling years of calling. Been, been kind to you and merciful. Romans uh, chapter 2 verse 5 says that the kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance. You've got to see that. And so he calls us as his people to be gentle with one another. To be kind to them. To, to be winsome and, and, and careful with one another. I want to ask you, are you careful? <laughs> Are you careful with the people around you? Is gentleness marked in your relationships and the way you talk with one another? I told you this was going to be tough. And the last thing he says in this list is this. And to show perfect courtesy toward all people. I, I know that it sounds kind of weird, the word courtesy, and maybe it's not the best translation, but it's the idea of this humble deferring to one another. It's the idea of taking the lowly spot with one another, of letting them go first. It's looking around and looking for opportunity to let others be before yourself. This is what it is to be Christ's. This is what he has saved us to be. Now, um, part of the reason this is so hard is this, that over here, when we did not know Christ, when we did not know Christ, um, we set up our own life and we lived it as best we can and we did it the way we'd been trained and the sinful world trained us. And over here, before you came to know Christ, I want to tell you how you, what was the ruler of that world. It was Charles Darwin, okay? Uh, and I'll tell you, Charles Darwin is as good as it gets apart from Jesus. And you're saying, well, what do you mean? I mean, survival of the fittest. Survival of the fittest. And you've got you've to be strong because if you're not strong, you will get mowed over in this world, right? And so if it's between me and you, it's going to be you. And I'm going to let you get mowed over because that's the way things work. Survival of the fittest. Some of you are going, I don't know if I believe that. Uh, you, you obviously have no siblings. 
you obviously have no siblings. Because if you have siblings, you know. Um, whether it's at the dinner table, uh, grab yours first. Because if you don't grab it, your sibling will grab that, right? Uh, and if it's playing a game, uh, you've got to push to go first. Because if you don't, they will. And they'll push you away. And they'll win. You know, in everything. There's competition in everything. And there's a sense, I am going to get uh, ran over if I don't take care of myself. Survival of the fittest. I want to point out one other thing here that may make this even more difficult for you to stomach. Um, if you look at verse, beginning of verse 2, it says, to speak evil of no one. No one. Okay? Speak evil of no one. And then the last, um, end of verse 2, it says, to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Now, I could I could preach a good message. This would have been a good message if I would have just talked about, if it would have said uh, this in the context of your family, of your family. You need to do this in your family. And we could get real convicted about that, right? I don't know, maybe even this morning as we've been talking about being gentle and, and courteous or hum, humble, uh, letting others go. Maybe you look at that and you go, man, I need to be doing that for my wife and my kids. And, you know, am I really? I, no, but this is not the context of this passage. What do you think it means, no one or to all? What does that include? Everybody. Everybody. Mankind, right? It's, it's everybody. What that includes, um, if I can say it this way, and I will, um, it, it doesn't matter what their politics are like, right? It doesn't matter if they're a Democrat or a Republican or part of the Green Party. I don't know anybody from the Green Party, at least that I know of. But it wouldn't matter. This passage, my interaction with them wouldn't matter. It doesn't matter if someone's, uh, you know, what their religious background is. It doesn't matter if they're Muslim or Hindu. It doesn't matter if they're atheist and they mock the name of Jesus. The context here is that this covers all. It doesn't matter if they're black or Hispanic or Germans or Asians, or old, or young. It doesn't matter if they're homosexuals, or homophobic, or, or they don't believe in uh, marriage at all. It doesn't matter that these characteristics of our interactions with people, are, we would be reminded that this is what it is to know Jesus. This is what it is to be changed. Well, uh, the context is important. Um, as you look at verse 3, it tells us uh, really what we should reflect on. And I, want, I want you to disconnect 2 and 3 just for a moment, okay? I know that verses 1 and 2 was pretty rough. I realize that. But look at verse 3. Look at verse 3 because it's so beautiful. Verse 3 says this, For we ourselves were once foolish disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. 
You look at this second list and he says, you know, you were once foolish. You were once foolish. You didn't think you were foolish. You were just doing whatever came naturally, right? You're walking in the darkness and it seemed just fine, but it just wasn't working out so good. Foolish living is born out of not knowing Jesus Christ. We should not be surprised when we see foolishness in this world. And you were once foolish. You were once disobedient. Um, why were you disobedient? Well, because you didn't have a master, right? You didn't have the Lord Jesus Christ. You didn't have a relationship with him. So what did you do? Whatever you wanted. And that didn't work out so good. It was frustrating and hard. And, and, and so that disobedience, you were once disobedient. And that's why your life was a mess. He also says you were led astray. Uh, the, the picture of led astray, you get this, I don't know if you've had this feeling. I know that most of us can reflect on a time where we got involved in a sin, where we didn't intend to get involved in this sin. We get involved in a sin and we get this moment, this glimpse of where we are. And we go, how did I get here? Why am I doing this? Why is this a part of my life? Why? Well, it's real simple. Because your life was up for grabs. <laughs> it was up for grabs. It, it was like someone's vegetables at the elementary school. Up for grabs. Anybody can have it. <laughs> hey, let's throw it around the cafeteria. That was your life. That was your life. We once were, were those people that our life was up for grabs. And so we got drawn away and led astray by all kinds of different things. And what's crazy about it, what's tough, is that we were, most of us were led astray multiple times. It wasn't just one sin that we drifted off into and then we're, how did we get here? It was many. We were led astray. He follows that up by saying this, that uh, you were led astray slaves to various passions and pleasures. I think it's such an important uh, picture in the New Testament where he talks about sin and a life apart from Jesus. And you know what he describes it as? Slavery. And what makes that ironic is most people think that it would be slavery to follow Christ, and yet they're involved in their slavery to passions and pleasures. They think they're toys, and they say, yeah, I'm just into this, and I'll, I'll play with it for a while, and then I'll walk away. And they try to walk away, and they say, why am I here? I'm stuck here. How come I can't get out of this? I'll tell you why. Because the pleasures and passions of this sinful world are not toys to be played with. They are enslaving sins that kill you, that destroy you. They destroy the life here and send you into a Christless eternity. There is not freedom apart from Jesus Christ and in sin. There, there is no freedom in sin. It's slavery. And he says, that was you. That was you. That's where once where you sat where you lived, where you got up, where you went to bed. And then he says, you're passing our days in malice and envy. He talks about what's going on in our hearts. What, what, What is it that drives these actions? He describes a motivation of an angry heart 
one that is, is struggling because everyone else is succeeding and, and hating people. And then he goes on. We'll, we'll just move on to the next one because I think these two are related. He says, hated by others and hating one another. You know, in our world today, um, it's it seems really profound to put on a bu- bumper sticker, stop the hate, stop the hate. It's very political to say, you know, stop the hate. And if someone disagrees, you say, oh, you're a hater. And uh, let me just tell you, hate does not come over issues and people. Hate comes from a heart that has not been changed by the gospel. You get that? That that this is not this is a part of that motivation, a way of life that we are hated by others as well as hating people in our own hearts. I want to point out this one thing in ver- is so great in verse three. We kind of breezed over it. Beginning of verse three, for we ourselves were once, or once, back in the old days. <laughs> I used to be like that. But, uh, I, there was once a time in the past where that was me. Uh, I, I've gone past that class. I'm done with that. Why? Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Do you get it? There's a sense in verse 3 that your heart should rejoice as you look in the past. Not because you like what you see. But because you, you you hate what you see, you hate it. It, it makes you sick. But, but what should cause your heart to rejoice is that that is in the past because of what Jesus did. Yeah, that used to be me. That, that once was a day that I was a part of. And then you put it in this context, verses 1 and 2. You're to be that kind of person. That's what we're supposed to look like. That's how we're supposed to interact because of verse 3. Because of what Jesus has done in us, we now are free to become different people, people that are honor, honor him. I want you to see that connection too. Um, Verse one and two, as I look through that list of being gentle and not argumentative or not prone to arguments and the the idea of uh, humbly letting others go first, back to the family analogy, you say, no, I, I can't do that. I'll get walked on. You know, most of us know as uh, if we've had siblings that mom and dad aren't always around, are they? And that's when bad stuff happens, Right. Uh, that's when we get worked by our, by our siblings. Uh, no testimonials here where people stand up. I, let me tell you about a time. Um, but, but get this picture here. We now have Jesus. We now have Jesus. Because of what he's done in us, now he walks with us. Now he has saved us. And his eyes are constantly on us watching over. We are his child. And as a father looks after their child, a good father protects them. He protects us with eyes that never sleep. And so you get this picture. I don't have to fight anymore. 
I don't have to demand my own rights all the time. I don't have to worry about getting walked on. I don't have to be worried about being taken advantage of. I don't have to worry, uh, make sure people know that my mind you know, is really important for you to know how wrong you are. I don't have to worry about that because I have a relationship with God. You see, the connection here is this, that the, the gospel of Jesus Christ transforms us and changes us, brings us into a new relationship with him that now it impacts the way we relate to one another, not just one another in our family and our church, but to everybody, everybody. Next week, uh, we're going to be talking about the gospel, um, just what it is, what did Jesus do for us and to us. Uh, very important connection to these two verses, three verses that we looked at um, this morning. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for the grace of the gospel. Uh, even as I go over it now, I realize how little um, I practice what you have already done inside of me. And Lord, I ask that you would continue to change us. God, help us to remember that apart from Jesus' work in our lives, um, there's nothing there. We can't do this list. We can't uh, perform in any way. We can't treat people right. God, help us, uh, grow us, change us uh, to be the people you want us to be. God, thank you for your patience with us and your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. You're dismissed.